Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Toot and boom, Matt. Toot and boom. Toot and boom indeed, my friend. Yes, today we are reviewing Don Hall and Carlos Lopez Estrada's Raya and the Last Dragon, which is going to be on premiere access on Disney Plus beginning on March 5th, 2021 for $35 in Canada. Are you kidding me? Uh, really? No. Yeah, they corrected that. $35. Mulan was they kept at the same price as the US, which was $29.99. Right. But, uh, I believe Raya, unless like I, I, I'll double check that as we're talking, but I believe it's thirty four ninety nine here in oh Canada. Oh my god! To rent, uh, Eric, but it has to be available on Disney Plus for in free like later this months. year. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if, if if you you know parents out there, if you have kids and you're listening to our podcast, which I don't know why you are, um, you know you can hold off until like April, May, or June. You know, uh, it's, it's spoiler alert for our yeah. review, but you know, um, I'm doing okay, man. I'm you know. We're recording this on a Monday. The embargo's already broke. Uh, did a nice workout uh, th- this morning, early afternoon. Uh, you know, f- feeling the feeling the vibe, feeling the buzz. How about you, man? Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, as I look up how much this is, if I got that completely wrong or if I got that right, uh, I am doing okay. You know, Golden Globes were last night. We'll talk about that on the newest draft of the uh, Untitled Or we won't podcast. talk about it, depending on who I you mean, ask. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, we, we will and we won't talk about it, uh, but doing okay. You know, had an okay weekend. Um, uh, still need to get back into working out like you are. I'm very proud of you for keeping up with that. I've been oh, it's, it's all Kyle. Kyle, my brother, yeah. is the one to thank for that. If it wasn't for him, I would be a disgusting slob. Yeah, I just lie like Jabba the Hutt on my couch and and watch MCU movies. Who's your salacious I, crumb? Um, I, I I wish I had a salacious crumb. I have a Watto doll that you. Can I'll get. Cut, I'll get you Eric, a Watto. I'll get you a salacious crumb. You already got me a Watto. I'm pointing to it, which no one can see because no one. We don't release the video. Um, but I'm doing all right, man. I'm sort of meditating in the mornings, uh, which is really actually nice, quite nice. Uh, only for five ten minutes, starting off like a little bit, and it actually weirdly like is very relaxing, and uh, I feel quite good afterwards. So, um did a free trial of an app called uh aware what's it called i don't even know um anyways so I you're meditating like david lynch right now you're getting into yeah. the uh the metaphysical if you will but also clearing your mind and 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 clearing the stress and the world around you out just to enjoy the moment or trying to at least yeah. uh but let's get into it eric enough about us more about Raya and the Last Dragon. What is it? Okay, I'm going to do the the shameless plug that I'm on Rotten Tomatoes. So I've been thinking of like what to come up with for a quote, and I won't be as overt in the future of of making this announcement. But I've been trying to figure out like, okay, what am I going to do for this? Like, what is going to be the quote that's going to be on there? So we don't, so we don't have to search through afterwards like we did with your first batch. Of yeah. Stuff. Well, well, when you say we, you did it, and I really, really appreciate that. Um, so Raya and the Last Dragon um, is a visually splendid movie, but the sanitized storytelling keeps it from rising above uh, the clouds to meet other Disney movies, other recent Disney movies of its ilk, whether it be Moana or Zootopia or even Frozen. And it kind of coasts on the success of those films when it comes to world building and overall um story arc so 
that's basically in terms of a nutshell critically what I have to say about this film. But in terms of story, what you have is your classic world building fellowship uh, sort of storyline, but also the main focus in terms of what they wanted to incorporate here that was different from other uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios films from the past is that they wanted to include a Southeast Asian influence within the fantasy world. So this takes place uh, on a fantasy earth and the the world is called Kumandra. And within Kumandra, you have uh, dragons and humans coexisting in harmony until a deadly plague called the Druins come in and start sucking people's souls out. They're like a purple cloud. And essentially, the dragons make a final stand and a selfless sacrifice basically creating this gem, this magic stone of all their powers put together to banish the plague once and for all. But the price that is paid is more than just losing the dragons. It divides the world into different continents and 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 places on the map that are also named after parts of the body of the dragon. You have tail, heart, talon, fang, things like that. And so the main character Raya, who's voiced by Kelly Marie Tran, um, who's best known for um, the J.J. Abrams uh, produced Star Wars movies, the the later ones. Um, Revenge. Oh, I was going to say Revenge. Uh, pardon me. Um, I, I'm blanking the last, on The Last, the last Jedi. Jedi. The last Jedi. Because I was thinking Revenge of the Jedi because I was thinking of um, Return of the Jedi. Because I've been talking yeah. to uh, people recently about Return of the Jedi, that poster. Going back Great to that, poster. yeah, it's, it's an amazing poster and it's really, really hard to find and expensive if you want to buy that. But going back to that character, she is basically kind of like a Mad Max, uh, Laura Croft-esque character on a journey to get the pieces of this dragon gem back together. Um, because at one moment, so this is basically we get a prologue of the world before with living with dragons. And then we get another setup that builds on the idea of these countries, of these places, all of these nations, all fighting each other and having all these specialties and sort of heart wanting to bring everybody back together. But there's a double cross that, you know, separates everybody even further and divides the gem and each person or each nation has a piece of the gem. And from there, Raya's trying to collect all those pieces of the gem. And on the way, in each stop she makes, she is joined by somebody else. She is also um, helped along the way by Sisu, who is voiced by Aquafina, who is the legendary dragon that sort of helped banish uh, the plague in a story that's been told throughout the ages, 500 years after the dragons have gone, but does Sisu live up to that legendary status? Or does she even feel that she lives up to that legendary status? And from there, you kind of get your classic, like, again, Lord of the Rings-esque story where you're banding together a bunch of kind of ragtag group of characters, a lot of which are very young. Um, You have a uh, shrimp captain and a thief baby and it kind of plays in the most conventional manner at that point where it's like you've seen it before. I think some of the most interesting stuff in this film is the relationship beats between Kelly Marie Tran's character and Gemma Chan's character, uh, Namari, who, I mean, it basically is, you know, the relationship in Frozen between the two sisters, you know, that divide that kind of comes between them and the complication of it, Um but overall, I mean, like it's it's fine, but it's just it's very slight. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mostly completely uh, agree with you. I, I, I think I tweeted this out right after I saw it, but I thought it was like serviceable, but a little bit underwhelming. And I don't think that means that it's a bad movie by any stretch uh, of the imagination. But like, I think it's a pretty, you know, standard, you know, Disney animated flick that we've seen time and time again. And I think my biggest takeaway from it was, uh, man, this is reminding me a lot of The Legend of Zelda. And I think a Legend of Zelda animated movie would be dope. And and that's what I kind of took from it. Excuse me. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. Um, oh, so you're, that, wearing, sure that you're, you're wearing a Nintendo, Nintendo 64, 64 hoodie. Yeah, so. Um, but that's what it reminded me of, man. And I don't know if you're Eric, how familiar you are with the legend of Zelda, but I mean, every the N64 game, is, game I'm, well, I'm any of them, with. the Ocarina of time is the one that you're talking about or Majora's yeah. mask, but Majora's um, mask. that's it. Anyways, in the legend of Zelda, you have link this, you know, warrior who has to, um, the Triforce gets broken up into pieces and he has to go around and collect the Triforce and defeat Ganon at the end. And there's a princess, obviously Zelda that, um, is involved in the story where it's not necessarily one-to-one in this, but with that orb being shattered into the pieces and her having to go to the different kingdoms and, and, and grab the pieces of the orb to ultimately kind of put it together in these fantastical elements. And each tribe has their own vibe and kind of thing. Like it just reminded me of zelda and either going to the dungeons or or or, uh visiting the different factions like the the uh uh, zor ah what's the water people i'm i'm such a fake zelda fan right now but like um you have the the gorons i think or like the rock people like the volcanic people then you have like the the fish people in zelda and like you go and visit all these different factions and they all kind of have their different vibes and, and things like that and like this movie just reminded me a lot of the Legend of Zelda, which is a a good thing, uh, but it just really made me want a Legend of Zelda animated movie. And that being said about Raya, like I think it's a perfectly okay, enjoyable, um, you know, Disney flick. Like I think it has good action sequences. I thought the uh, f- the fight scenes were darker than I expected them to and more violent than I expected the movie to be. Um, I liked the score a lot. Obviously it's gorgeously animated. I do like the cast. There was just something kind of missing to bring it all together to, to have some of that magic in the movie. Like I felt like it was a perfectly okay, you know, kids adventure fantasy movie. Uh, but it is one that I will probably forget about and not really ever revisit. Yeah, um, and and for a film that is trying to be so specific to representing or having uh, Southeast Asian cultural influences, it's just also very familiar in its thematic and storytelling beats of you know forgiveness and truth and sort of, you know, always trying to find harmony within, you know, different communities and nations and things like that, that we've seen so many times before, that it really doesn't separate itself apart from any of the other uh, Walt Disney animated studio movies we've seen in recent like Frozen memory. Frozen 2 just recently did this, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and again, like even, you know, Moana and, and Zootopia have elements of that as well, that it kind of feels like it's taking the best aspects of those movies and the reason why those films stood out and implementing them into the story, into the narrative. But it doesn't really stand on its own with the exception of, again, sort of visually taking from Southeast Asian culture. And I understand that I can't talk to that in terms of, you know, being a white film critic, but there is a really good 
article that I would like to point people to that kind of goes into depth about this a little bit more um, that's on uh, msn.com that's by uh, Laura Circle, uh, and it's called Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon Has an Eastern Asian Problem. And there's a really interesting sort of timeline of this production and how it went sort of changed over the course of, you know, the pre-production during the pandemic and when they were recording. Like Kelly Marie Tran was not the original voice actor cast for the role. Um, it was a young Filipino Canadian actor named uh, Casey Steele. And then all of a sudden she's replaced last minute. And in the article, it talks about how Disney kind of cherry picks certain things of Southeast Asian culture, but does it represent the community, especially when it comes to actors that they're looking for name Asian actors that aren't necessarily Southeast Asian. And right. the article so it's is not diff- authentic. They're just going for the names. Yeah. And, and you have people like I mentioned, Gemma Chan and, and Benedict Wong who are great, but it's almost like they're advertising like other things that they've already been in within the Disney world. It's like, Oh yeah, they've both been in, you know, Marvel movies. So like, that's, it's almost like, you know, we'll pick and choose these actors to have in these roles that are quote unquote Asian, but we won't be really specific enough to be culturally sensitive. And it's like, they're putting on this kind of facade that like, you know, we, we, we had a focus on making this, you know, representative, even though it is a fantasy world of what we were sort of inspired by. And it kind of, but feels if you're a- pulling from that culture, then you can't just use, well, it's a fantasy world, which is why we can get away with kind of doing whatever we want. Um, yeah. And, and, and again, of, like yeah. just moving away from the, from the cultural stuff again, like I really enjoyed kind of the, the, the opening Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones esque sort of, you know, booby trap sequence. That's kind of a fun spin, but again, it's, it's very familiar and like even, you know, Tuk Tuk, which is the kind of um, armadillo insectoid sort of pill you know, bug, pill bug thing. thing. Yeah is is such like your generic kind of sidekick character who is voiced by Alan Tudyk, but I guess is just through grunts and mumbles and things like that. Yeah, you know, uh, paycheck for him going. And, and again, he, he's been used in the majority of, of the course, Walt Disney yeah. Animation Studio stuff. So he's kind of like the John Ratzenberger for, for that side of the Disney animation uh, arm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a well-made easy to watch sort of adventure movie. I think I got a little bit tired of some of the dystopian stuff, especially at the beginning with the voiceover saying like, you know, this isn't your typical dystopian world. Like you're about to be brought into something, you know, like you've never seen before. And then it's like, okay, well we've seen this a hundred times before. Yeah. And even going back to Zelda, it reminded me of the most recent Zelda, which is breath of the wild, which is the same kind of concept where something takes over and like, it's a wasteland and you have to go to these different factions. Like I said, and I did get it right. It was Gorons and it was Zora was the water people. People are going to come at me being like Matt's wearing the N64 hoodie. He doesn't know what he's talking phony about. Here. I, phony. Love Ze- I love Zelda. I just blanked. Um, I played every Zelda game. Um, so that's why this movie reminded me so much of it. And I agree with you with that opening sequence is right when that Zelda stuff kicked into me. You brought up Indiana Jones, but I kind of thought like the dungeon elements of, of Zelda. And then I think the movie has a lot of inspiration from Breath of the Wild. And and I mean, there are other fantasy things that have done this time and time again, which is one of our criticisms. But um, but yeah, with you, I think the score is something that really stood out to me. I, I liked the sound of it all. Um, I... Uh, the mixture of uh it's by james newton howard and and um 
it really stood out to me of being that thing where I kept going back to and going, okay, this has an interesting sound to it with each of these locations that they go to and the different sequences. Like it, it had an interesting um, sound uh, to me. And then I go back to those fight sequences, which I, I touched on, but the movie to me felt darker than I was expecting it to, uh, even though it is very much a, a kid's movie and just some of the, you know, using swords and fighting and arrows and, and, and some of the stuff that was happening, some of the stuff I could do, which is your classic. Some of the things I could do without, uh, are some of the modern influences on there with Aquafina's dragon character. Um, and just like they're taking that thing they've done time and time again with the genie and and other fantastical characters of like a lot of the dialogue feels like it's ripped out of, you know, 2020 instead of, you know, the time period that they're in. And I know this is a fantasy world and things like that. So you can kind of do what you want. But comedic um, talent basically doing yeah. stand up bits while they're recording. Yeah. I mean, even Robin Williams, as much as the genie is is a beloved character, like it's obviously, as you mentioned, you know, Robin Williams doing his shtick. And it's the same thing with Aquafina as Sisu, the water dragon, kind of being this self-deprecating, kind of, you know, insecure, uh, you know, powerful mystic creature, sort of, you know, trying to come to terms not only with you know, her status and, you know, and, and, but with the loss of, of, you know, the other dragons and like, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like it's all very contemporary sounding and like you have a lot of the mythology and building of like, you know, ancient ruins and societies yeah. and things like that. And then you have a character that feels like they just walked, you know, off of, you know, like a set in the, in 2021 or 2020, whenever this was recorded. Yeah. And that I, I Disney's done that again. We keep talking about that. It feels derivative of other things that they've done previously. And even that character and even um, uh, Tuck Tuck, the little pill bug armadillo thing is like <clears throat> there always has to be a cute animal in a Disney movie. There always has to be a human who is turned into an animal that talks like they're from the time that, you know, the movie's being released in and like and things like that. So like these are all things that you come to expect, but it's just like when you see them over and over again, it, it becomes tired and we're getting into that. You know, I think frozen when the first one came out, I th felt like we got another, you know, injection of like, Oh, Disney's, even though that was very derivative of their princess musicals that they were doing and things like that, but it felt like they were getting back to what made them special. And, and that caught me off guard because of that. And then with some of the Walt Disney animated stuff, I feel like it's a little bit more hit or miss. And I don't even think this is a full on miss. I just feel like this is one of those where you go, okay, I'm getting, you know, what I expect out of one of these Disney animated movies, which is like, sometimes they hit really hard and they have a great emotional core to them. And they're, um, and they last the test of time, uh, where this one, I just feel like will be one of those movies in the Disney kind of library that, um, I don't think anyone's really going to think of as one of the standouts. And I don't think they all have to be standouts, but when you have studios like Pixar that are doing that, and like, I think your, your main Walt Disney animation studios kind of has to, you know, be at that level as well. And, and, you know, a three out of five for this isn't necessarily a bad rating, but you know that the potential is there for it to hit that, you know, four or five out of five, um, which they've, you know, regularly hit. So when you get a three, you feel more disappointed than the movie actually, you know, than the quality of the movies actually is like a three is still fine. Is it worth $35 to rent? 
Yeah, that's a toss-up. Like again, if you're sharing this Can't between you have, for you, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I mean, but if you have three or four kids, it's still going to be again the same conversation we had about Mulan of like it's still going to be cheaper than if you took them all to the movies. So like if you're looking for something new, it's obviously like it's not a bad movie at all. Like it is perfectly enjoyable. It's an easy watch. There's some fun fight sequences, some good music, some beautiful animation, a story you've kind of seen a hundred times. But again, for kids movies, none of that shit matters. And it's just like, you know, it needs to be colorful. It needs to have some silly jokes. It, it has uh, fart jokes. So yeah. Which, which, it. you know, is a necessity necessity. So, um, a and I feel necessity. like depending on the age of your kid, they'll be mostly entertained and they'll probably enjoy it. So like, I can't fault it for anything really other than just being derivative and, and, and and kind of just one note personally. Um, but there's nothing, you know, super positive or super negative to really say about the movie for me. It's perfectly middle of the road animation. And it is interesting that like, again, script wise as the story kind of, you know, makes its way through the narrative and and sort of wants to kind of get from A to B to C and how it shoehorns in all these supporting characters that join Raya's team and how kind of lazy it feels. And by the time you get to the warrior character voiced by uh, Benedict Wong, you're kind of thinking to yourself like, well, one, you found the kind of the rhythm or the formula that it's, that it's working at and the pacing that it's working at and how it's kind of, you know, okay, we go from one place, we're going to add a new character who joins the team and, you know, we're going to have representation from each of these rival nations come together and, you know, save the day. But at the same time, it just kind of feels like there's not a lot of time to spend with these characters other than like one scene before they're escaping to the next location and we'll give them kind of, you know, a, a, a hobby or interest to kind of define their personalities, whether it be, you know, a kid who's a cook baby, or pickpocketing yeah. baby that, yeah, you don't really get to know them as people. So you're working on the idea that they're just, you know, caricatures and really nothing else. And, and again, like I think a, the best Disney movies find a way to utilize that and find those shortcuts, but make them feel a little bit deeper. And I never felt any kind of, character development of any kind with the exception of Raya because we spend the most time with her and even then like I mean she's got your classic kind of you know warrior character storyline that you know she is trying to bring back save her family save her family bring back the kingdom unite the world that kind of thing it's you know it's it, it feels perfectly in place for kingdom hearts 25 whenever that gets released like it, it'll lend itself yes. well well to a video yeah. game so i love that love yeah. that reference yeah you you nailed it there that it i mean going back to the i keep bringing up zelda now you brought up kingdom hearts it is the perfect way of kind of like it does feel like a video gamey kind of movie and um you nailed it of this being a a level in the next kingdom hearts game or whatever that like that's seems like what it's made for yeah and um uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm looking at Walt Disney Animation, like, proper, and you have Frozen 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Moana, Zootopia, Big Hero 6, and then Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph. That's kind of tangled. You get, like, and then that's their comeback after, you know, or not comeback, because then you have, like, there was that weird period in the 2000s that I think no one paid attention to Walt Disney Animation Studios after Emperor's New Groove. And then well, I the joke in- is like tr- nobody saw Treasure Planet, right? Like, or yeah, um, and that 
that kind of killed him. It, yeah, Atlantis, uh, Treasure Planet, Brother Bear, Home on the Range, Chicken oh Little, uh, Meet the Robinsons, and then you get to Bolt, and you're like, okay, Bolt was like enjoyable, but I've never thought about Bolt ever again. Um, no. Princess and the Frog is excellent, obviously, but their last 2D animated movie. And then um, Tangled is wonderful, but then you get back into their classic princess musicals thing. So Tangled and Frozen are fantastic. Winnie the Pooh, I feel like was only like 63 minutes long, and I don't even know if I ever saw it. Um, and then Rec- the Wreck-It Ralph movies are great. Zootopia is fantastic. So like, I don't know, something I think I tend to enjoy their musical animated musical stuff more than their straight up um you know uh just animated adventure movies but um that's maybe a personal preference and um i don't know maybe the musical element to me just keeps these movies engaging um uh where i feel like you lose some of that mind you i think why i like both wreck it ralph movies is because they're entrenched in you know video game and internet culture and stuff like that which is why i think both of those movies are kind of fun, but yeah, this well, same falls thing with into Big the- Hero Six, right? Like the idea yeah. of like you know the world, so to speak, because it is based on a comic book, and like the superhero tropes are there. It's and it's in an animated format. But I would, but- I would even put Mar- Big Hero Six in that kind of a three. 3.5 range of being like oh i enjoyed it but like like none of these disney movies ever get to the like oh those are really bad but like they all like at their worst they're kind of just like hey i was fine <laughs> and then you kind of move on yeah I, I for me i think frozen and moana are probably the best and i i like zootopia but zootopia is that one outlier where it's like I almost feel like I was on the opposite end of like the critical consensus of oh, that a little bit. I really like, like it. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's fine. And and again, like the idea of dividing, you know, different sort of habitats reminded me of this, sure. where you have different nations sort of, you know, living on their own and trying to, you know, keep to themselves. Um but the whole time I was watching this, I was like, okay, well, we've seen this very recently with again you know frozen one and two and moana and and there's yeah. nothing that really sets this apart other than it's just really well animated and like you know production wise it's it's solid and like the the voice cast even though we said like aquafina is talking in a very contemporary sort of oh, style I like her. she's fine like it's yeah. not it's not a bad performance everything is perfectly well made and tailored and again sort of um just kind of sanitized to a point where it's like it's there's there's nothing there that is distinguishable other than it is a disney animated film that kind of falls into line with what they've been doing recently like it's one of those movies again where you'll look back at this in you know 10 years or so and look at the list of movies that they have and it'll be kind of one of those like some of its parts kind of film where it's sort of just like a nail in an overall kind of bigger machine Mm -hmm. you know running it's just keeping it going and I do also find that it is interesting. Like Don Hall is, is one of the co-directors who also worked on big hero six and Moana and has been working on, you know, with Disney for a while, but you have Carlos Lopez Estrada who directed blind spotting and is kind of, you know, again, a filmmaker that's worked in the live action realm, kind of coming in and working on an animated movie and also continuing to work on an animated films and, and, you know, as, as he's going along. And it reminded me a little bit of um, uh, Kemp Powers, who worked on Soul. You know, you have a guy who's a uh, playwright and, you know, is is known for, uh, you know, One Night in Miami specifically, but then he comes on to co-direct and co-write uh, Soul or Sal, as it's known by the Golden Globes. <laughs> so, you know, like it's, I, I do think that that's interesting as well, that, that Disney and Pixar 
and Disney and uh, the Walt Disney Animation Studios are bringing in outside um, collaborators. And Roger Deakins is obviously like the the other reference who comes in to work on some of the Pixar movies and sort of talks about the, like, visuals, the lighting, yeah. the visuals and like the where lighting, the light would yeah. be. And like Wally specifically, I remember him doing a whole tutorial on a special feature. Um, so I, I think that's kind of interesting, but I don't know if it necessarily like changes the movie in any way or, or like I, I can't really tell you what this director did here that is different from any other animated film yeah i agree with you um i kind of already alluded to my rating um i'm just gonna give it a you know a mixed positive three out of five um for me yeah i'll also give it a mixed positive three out of five there it is how about that um Thank you all for listening. Um, we have lots of other reviews uh, up on the channel right now that we would love for you guys to check out. Uh, I'm kind of pulling them up now. Eric, what else do we have? Do you know? Well, we have all the Sundance coverage that uh, is still very much uh, relevant relevant, uh, and, and films are still getting picked up. So you can go and check out all of those uh, releases. Oh, um, I forgot. Our big one, the Russo Brothers Cherry. Oh, God. Um, so you guys can it was a fun conversation at least yeah talking um, about a uh you know out of disney uh experience yeah family yeah uh the disney family uh yeah you can check out a review for the russo brothers cherry right now um barb and star go to vista del mar uh saint maud malcolm and marie lots of uh new movie reviews for you guys to go check out right here on this channel um our 85th draft of the untitled movie podcast should be available for you guys uh either right now or very very soon where eric and i uh talk about you know what eric's been watching on disney star uh how i felt about the golden globes last night and things like that so go check out the 85th draft of the untitled movie podcast over on that channel um and you can follow us on all of those social medias at untitled underscore cast and please if you have a couple seconds uh drop us a review uh on all of our podcasts that really kind of helps us out um as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all of those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. I'm going to go make some jackfruit jerky. <laughs>